Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, Merlin. Uh, thanks for arranging this uh, uh, interview, um, a technical interview. Uh, I'm Alex Black, President and CEO of uh, Rio2 Limited. Uh, on this call, we have two of our uh, key members of our technical team, Andrew Cox, COO, and Enrique Garay, SVP Geology. So, you know, we're, we're happy to, to address any questions you may have from a technical standpoint in regards to our development of the Phoenix Gold Project. Great. Um, Alex, thank you so much. Can you just give me a quick reminder of uh, what your ticker is, what your market cap is, um, and what, what the name of your main project and where it is? Yeah, look, our ticker symbol is RIO in uh, Canada on the Venture Exchange. Our ticker in uh, on the OTCQX is RIOFF. We're also listed here in Lima, and the three of us are, are sitting here in Lima, Peru at the moment, uh, talking to you. Um, the ticker here is RIO as well. Uh, our market value is very sad. It's 160 million Canadian. Um, and um, um, yeah, uh, we have about 250 million shares on issue um, on an undiluted basis. Great. Thank you very much. And um, you say your market value is, um, uh, you know, 160 million Canadian. But um, I mean, this is almost where we can kind of get straight into the the, the, the discussion because the um, the NPV on your smaller project was only 120 million dollars, and yet you're you're kind of expressing expressing regret that the the current market capitalization is is um, not far off that NPV figure. So uh, tell me, you know, where the whether uh, well, the disconnect is, yeah, the disconnect. <laughs> okay, well, I'm I'm regretting our share price, but I'm not regretting the gold price. So let's look at that. I mean, obviously, our MPV was 120 million dollars, but it was at a at a 1300 dollar gold price. And since then, a lot of things have changed. Gold's now nearly 1800 dollars. And if you look at uh, the sensitivity graph that's in our corporate presentation on our website you'll see at $1,800, the project has a $400 million US MPV and a, a, an IRR of about 60-odd percent. So, you know, th there has been a disconnect between, you know, the what we did back in 2019 from the point of view of preparing that, that model and that financial uh, statement for, for the project to where we are today. And... Um, you know, the other thing that's happened is we're not just a company. And as you know, there's a lot of junior companies out there putting out PEAs, PFSs, et cetera, uh, on projects uh, which may never be built. We're actually in the process of uh, starting construction on this project, and that still hasn't caught up with our valuation either. So that's why I, I laugh about the valuation. Uh, the good thing is we're fully financed through to production. Um, we announced uh, a couple of months ago um, the fact that we had done a financing, an equity financing, a small one. It was only about 35 million Canadian that we entered into a streaming deal with Wheat and Precious Metals for $50 million and that we'll um, top that up with senior secured debt with BNP Paribas for somewhere between 50 and $60 million. So the good thing is we're fully financed, so I can laugh about valuation because we're not issuing any more stock anytime soon um you know share price could go down further and 
you know, what's the real impact? There's, there is no impact. But, you know, it's just a, a little frustrating um, uh, given the quality of the project that we have. Thanks. That's, that's a, a good kind of introductory kind of explanation. Um, the, you know, when I came to look at uh, RIA 2, one of the things that struck me was that you have got that development capital uh, lined up. Uh, and yet the, the, the PFS from 2019 was just a PFS. And so you've obviously gone to that um, construction decision without having gone through a full feasibility study. And in the PFS, you know, there are some, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the executive summary, there are a set of uh, recommendations. Um, could you just talk me through why you haven't published a feasibility study and and what the conversation was with the the um, with the streamer and with the debt provider, you know, do you have to get through a study to the level of a feasibility study before that debt becomes uh, freed up? Well, um, there's a few points here. This is not our first rodeo. I mean, obviously, uh, we had a lot of success in the past with building two gold mines, very similar to what we're going to do in Chile here in Peru with Rio Alto Mining. Um, so Andrew and Enrique <clears throat> were, were intimately involved with the construction and also the operation of those mines. Um, doing a PFS on this project to the level that we did and considering this pro pro project is very simple, it's a gold heap leach project. And since then, we've done some more work to demonstrate it's going to be a run of mine gold heap leach project, which is even more simpler. Uh, than what we originally thought, because there's no crushing involved in, in, in the process route. Um, you know, what we decided to do was draw the line on the PFS and go to detailed engineering. So Andrew and his team have been intimately involved, working um, in a lot of detail, putting together the detailed engineering. Now, the detailed engineering obviously consolidated what the capital and what the configuration of the project would look like. Um, that was presented to the financiers. The financiers looked at that. We told them we're not going to do a feasibility study. Why? Because it takes more time. And this whole story has been let's just get to production as quickly as we can. Uh, we're a junior company. We can't afford to wait. We're a single asset company. We don't have something else that we can fall back on while this goes into uh, a, 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 you know, a, a long timeline. So the financiers understand that. So I think... When people look at the fact that we haven't done a full feasibility study, the fact that Wheat and Precious Metals have said, yeah, we're willing to finance you, and BMP Paribas have said, yes, we are willing to finance you, subject to you getting your construction permit, which is further down the track, we're in the EIA approval process right now, um, should make investors feel relaxed about the fact that we haven't done a feasibility study because we're working with some very experienced financiers. They understand exactly where we're heading with this project. And, um, and, and that's the route we took, simply, simply to fast track this project. That sounds as if um, Andrew and your team, and with you, Alex, of course, um, have done a, a feasibility study, but internally without the... Um, exactly. Without the technical report and the 43101 and all those sorts of things, um, and let me tell you, the two mines we built in Peru, La Reina and Shawindo, there were no feasibility studies on either of those projects either, okay? So, so um, it's a matter of demonstrating um, uh, 
you know, the components of the project, the, the, the capital related to the, to the project. And once again, it's a very simple project. It's an ADR plant, no Merrill Crow, um, very simple project. And so um, all the work's been done. The financiers are happy with that work and, and uh, they're willing to finance us. Good. I mean, I, I have seen um, projects without feasibilities come into uh, construction without a problem, particularly when the metallurgy and the process route is. is well, well, there's two companies. There's two companies doing it right now who who are pretty well, um, you know, followed in the market. Minera Alamos in Mexico. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, their, their example and and Mako Gold in in Nicaragua. Yeah. Um, I mean, Minera Alamos doesn't have even have a resource statement. Um, they don't even have a reserve. They're building a mine, you know, and that, there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, they have a lot of confidence and, and they've put out some recent drilling. We're in the same boat, except we've done a lot more work than those guys. Plus, we're starting with 5 million ounces of M&I, which was initially discovered back in 2010. I think that's what the market's missing as well. We've got a huge resource. In the case of Mako, for example, 200,000, 300,000 ounces, in the case of Monero Alamos, we don't know. And in the case of Rio 2, 5 million. We're yeah. very similar to Orzone, who are building in, in, in Burkina at the moment, because they've got a 5 million ounce MI uh, resource and, and lots of upside potential as well. So I think, you know, trying to fit in and trying to be, you know, in a comparative environment with some companies like that is, is, is our challenge right now. If I can. But in there, Alex, sorry, I'd just like to mention, I think it, there's some comfort too involved around the fact that we're using Strakon and HLC as two of our contractors to develop this project. The people that we've worked with in La Reina and Showindo, the two projects we've previously delivered. So there's a history working with these people. Sorry, um, so what, what, what does Strakon do? Strakon, an earth-moving civil mining contract. And, and they will be for, they'll be responsible, they'll be responsible for, for the earth moving on the construction and the mining, the actual mining activity. Okay. And HLC are a, a plant design and construction company who will build the AR, ADR plant and the associated infrastructure, who who did the same in our previous two projects. So, okay, so you've worked with both these contractors before. Yes, and this and we've had two successful projects with them previously, and we we maintain that relationship going forward based on experience. And that's another thing, uh, just to elaborate on that, one of, one of the issues we face in Chile is the gold mining industry is really small in Chile. And so gold oxide heap leaching is something that's actually not happening anywhere in Chile right now. Um, it was um, in the past up until recently at uh, Refugio or the Maracunga mine, which belonged to Kinross, which is now on care of maintenance. So, um, you know, Stracon and HLC are both based in Peru. They have Chilean subsidiaries, but we're, we're exporting Peruvian uh, know-how into Chile from the point of view of, 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 of uh, setting up a gold oxide heap leach project. Good. Um, Andrew, thank you. That's, that's well, both of you, thank you. It's uh, um, good to hear. Um, just coming back to the kind of your peer group, um, uh, obviously, Burkina Faso has got its own uh, issues, which uh, are kind of countrywide. But um, the, the the issue at in Chile and the the issue with Rio Tinto is um, Rio Two is that your um, capacity constrained by water because your five million ounce ore body 
you're targeting a smaller development pipeline because of water. I and mean, can you talk to me where where that is? I, I, um, you just let, let's recover that that old chestnut once more. Well, well, I'm going to put up a um, if you don't mind. I'm just going to put up one graphic. Um, that will help explain a little bit about uh, the water situation. And um, just give me two seconds. Um, I need to, sorry, I'm half blind here. Share the screen. I don't, I don't take mine off when I'm on the screen. Here we go, here. So let, let me just talk about water, and I think you can see that, right, on the yep. screen? Yeah, great. Um, so, so, yeah. When we, when we approached this project right from the beginning, um, we all sat around a table and talked about the water situation and where we're going to get water from. When we bought this project, it didn't come with any water rights or any permitted water. So we all sat around a table. Um, Andrew was there. Enrique was there. And I, I'm, I don't know who it was, but I think it might have been Andrew. Um, when we were talking about this, we said, well, why don't we set up a starter project that's small, that doesn't have a big requirement for water, but how do we get you know, where do we get the water from? And, and I think Andrew might have said, why don't we truck the water from Copia Po? Because we knew there was a, um, a water retreatment facility in Copia Po who the previous company that we bought this asset from had been speaking to. So that was an elegant way of fast-tracking this project. And as you say, yes, it's a 20, it, you know, probably we get to 20,000 tonnes a day. Well, that's our target rate uh, of, of water pad. But maybe... We can raise that a little bit, you know, with a few more trucks coming up the road. We'll see how we go. But that's the starter project. And what I'm showing you here on this slide is where future potential water could come from. And, you know, as you can see, uh, you can see Copia Po there on the left. There's a couple of desalination options um, being developed in Copia Po right now, Nueva Atacama, which is the group that we're buying our retreated water from, um, and, and a group called Enapac. They're doing a desal project. They're looking for clients. So they, they want to put together a consortium of, of, of end users to bring up a pipe to where we are, and you can see where Phoenix Gold is on the right. The other thing is we've had some very casual conversations with Cadelco retailings, uh, surplus water from tailings retreatment that they have at the El Salvador uh, a copper project, uh, which is in the area. Um, and we could, we could use that water potentially. We haven't done any work on it. And then also to the northeast of um, where we are, we know there are other available water sources that we could potentially tap into. So that is where you know, the various options that we have, we're going to dovetail into those at some point in the future and, and build this project up. I mean, ultimately, we want to get this project up from 20,000 tonnes a day to about 80 to 100,000 tonnes a day. And at that rate of 80 to 100,000 tonnes a day, it'll produce somewhere in the order of 250 to 300,000 ounces a year. Um, which is globally significant. Um <clears throat> The, the the red star you've got at uh, that you had at Lindsay there that that uh, you've just taken it down but that's fine but what was that red star what was that 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 okay link? I'm I'm just going to put up another um, I'm just going to share my screen again and I'm going to go to another uh, slide um, and Andrew maybe you want to talk about this one yeah sure. So the red star you've identified Merlin as as Lindsay that's a 
piece of infrastructure we brought from a company that was previously called Manila Paso San Francisco. It's an old processing plant um, with, that used to process all trucked from different operations um, to the north back into the 90s. Um, I think, and it was, it was shut down. I think it's started again in 2013, did some work and then shut down again, reprocessing ore from Arqueros to the north. And it's got a, a pre-existing camp, a land area. It's got a five litre a second water well and it's got installed electrical with the structure. So, so we, we purchased that um, asset basically because it's close to site. It gives us a base to work from. It, as you can see on the screen, it's at an altitude of 3,200 metres, which is comfortable for, for a camp for people to, to rest, to sleep. And we're hoping to use that during the, as a sort of a kickstart to our construction. It's not associated with the EIA for the Phoenix Gold Project. It's independent. So that allows us to we'll start doing some prefabrication work, storage of components, ready to be trucked up to site and installed as the construction advances. And it's obviously a starting base for our construction camp as well, which is a big head start for us. Okay. And so that road is your access road in. It's, it's not... Co correct. Uh, if, okay. you, if you can see that the yellow line that says, I don't know if you can read it, it says CH31. That's the international highway that connects to Argentina. And at about you know, three kilometres past Valencia, it branches off to the right, which is the red line, where it says 24 kilometres. And that's the, that's the access road to site, which is one of the first activities we'll be undertaking is to improve that, um, regrade some of the steeper sections and widen out the curves, et cetera, just to facilitate the arrival and delivery of materials and construction machinery to site. It's perfectly usable now, but needs to be improved for you know, okay. Um, okay. tankers and heavy trucks. And that, and, and sorry, you. I'd like to interrupt, but that's the big thing here. Look at the infrastructure. We're right on a main road virtually. Um, and so it's a it's a tourist road. It's not heavily used. Um, La Coipa, which is a mine that's being uh, restarted by Kinross, is just where just to the north of this slide, um, to the top of the slide. So um, it's it's um, you know we're in a great location from the point of view of having that infrastructure site as a staging point for the um, for the construction of the project. And for that starter project, how many water trucks a day are you going to need going up and down that road? When we get up to twenty thousand ton a day, it's approximately seventy two trucks, which is three an hour. Three truck, one every twenty minutes, roughly. So, so it's a quite an important logistical exercise to maintain and uh, and keep that water arriving to site. That, that's the key to the project. And what's the what's the cost per ton of um, trucking cost per ton of anything really at the moment? PFS study that we we, we worked out the the transport cost with Stracon, but they prepared the pricing for that. It was just over fourteen dollars in the initial four years. I think it was slightly higher because we've got some infrastructure we need to build which we we pay back to them over the first four years it was roughly $14 on um, top of my head per cubic 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 meter per ton that's less than 10 cents per um ton per kilometer uh our, our water cost yeah we, we haven't addressed it from that way we've gone back to basics and, and done a ground up calculation from the distances required truck hours required and, and then build up the plant rate for the cost of the truck, the diesel, the operator, the, the amount of trucks that required extra to cover the um, maintenance period, so there's three extra trucks in the fleet for that, that then added all the indirect costs onto that. So, so it's a number developed by Strachan for us. It's obviously priced at 2019 
prices from the PFS and, mm. and we'll have to update some of those costs, obviously, prior to restarting operation and, and you know, it's infl- inflation's out of our control. That's something we'll have to deal with at the time. But, I, I, you know, I'm looking at um, trucking costs at the moment for, a, um, you know, we've just done a feasibility study uh, with Salazar in, in, in Ecuador. Um, but I also I see other projects coming through with trucking costs. And, um, you know, I, I quite often see 14 to 16 cents per um, uh, ton per kilometre. Which is quite a hike on what you've got down there for the in, on the PFS. Yep. Once again, I'm going back to it's built up from the ground with struck on the plant rights. It's open book calculation with them. We're we're happy with the inputs, the pricing inputs, as I mentioned, will have to be updated to to today or next year's prices when we start tracking water. But there's a, there's a lot of efficiency when when the trucks are owned by a company and they're working big hours per day they don't stop each truck cycling three times a day so the amount of hours that are accumulating per month or per year is is very high which brings a lot of efficiency into the ownership cost of of those trucks per hour and is it's the same contractor who's doing uh, struck on doing the the water and doing the the mining cost uh, the the mining operation that's that's correct alex uh, well maybe andrew um have you updated your mining cost Per ton. Well, there, when I had a look in the in the in the, I had a look in the PFS, there were uh, the, 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 there were I, I wasn't quite clear about you know what the mining costs were. So if you could uh, kind of give us what you're using, that would be great. We, at this stage, publicly, it's the PFS numbers. We, we don't we don't spend a lot of time, to be honest, sitting down every day and and, and updating, reacting to all the changes that, that are happening. You know, you, we know fuels changed. We know labour's probably changing. We know. And it's just not a good use of our time to be every week redoing the model and, and saying, oh, today it's this, next week it's what's it going to be. It's, we'll just focus on the PFS case where we maintain a good margin at 1300 and we know with gold at 1800 a day we've got room there to, to, to accommodate the price increases. What we have seen, obviously, is the a reduction in, in some of our OPEX due to the removal of the crushing circuit that there's some rehandle that's been removed. There's um, there's the crushing costs itself been removed. So there's there's some reduction in both processing and mining costs in that respect. But that's stuff that we're just managing internally. And I guess at the end of the day, we'll just be focusing on trying to maintain our um, production cost at about $1,000 an ounce in spite of possible increases. So that's sort of internally what we will be targeting. So the... Um the, the 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 conversations with um, Wheaton and with Paribas um, were behind a kind of an NDA, so they had that they had your kind of updated numbers. Is that right? That's exactly right. And you know, just just for um, the viewers that are listening to this, um, you know, um, all a mining company can do is focused on costs, right? And there are lots of moving parts inflation, on fuel costs, labour costs, deflation as well. Things move around a lot. But that's our, that's our game. We've put out in our PFS a ASIC of about $1,000. So that's imprinted in each of our brains and in, 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 in the other two guys' brains as well. That's our goal is to make sure that our ASIC doesn't go above $1,000 and that we do whatever we have to do to stick to that number. Now, meanwhile, while we're we're focusing on that, 
the gold price has gone up to eighteen hundred dollars from from twelve fifty where it was when we did the feasibility uh, the pre feasibility study. So, you know, when that happens, it's like okay, we've got a lot of buffer here, but we're still laser focused on the thousand dollars, right? And I think over time we'll get that thousand dollars down to about an average of somewhere between eight hundred and a thousand dollars. I don't know where. Let's call it nine hundred dollars, but. Um, so that's what a mining company like us needs to focus on and can only control is that. The gold price we can't control, inflation we can't control, et cetera, et cetera, but we can control what we're doing on the ground. In, in, in your presentations, you often um, show the NPV5 number, um, whereas lots of other companies... You, can, you, can, you know, we showed an NPV5. Yeah. Um, you can put in 10, you can put in 15, you can put in whatever number you like. We don't yeah. care. I have never, and I was CEO of Rio Alto Mining, I have never focused on MPV. And the only people that focus on MPV from a mining CEO perspective are people that are going to sell their project. They're never going to build it. They're going to flip it, right? Or they're going to, they think they're going to flip it. In our case, MPV is just a number. And once again, today, the MPV of that project, if you use the same metrics as we used in the PFS, is 400 million US, right? So who cares? You know, at the end of the day, well, it's all about that $1,000 ASIC and delivering the project. That's all we can control. The reason why it's important is because if people- It's important for an analyst like you. Exactly, exactly. If, if the market is used knock to- Knock yourself out, just, Merlin, Merlin, knock yourself out and build a model like all our other analysts that cover us, and there's a few that cover us, uh, most of them have got a target price of $1.20 to $1.40 on us. We're 65 cents right now. They've built their own models. They've applied their own discount rates, etc. That's the job of the analyst. We don't care about that. No, but right? hang on. Um, you've got the opportunity to... Um no, I'm not selling the project, Merlin. Not selling no, no, the project. No, you're not. You're not. But um, the, the, why people like a good, strong share price are two things. One is to deliver value to shareholders and um, to kind of deliver growth in the share price so that people who buy in at 60 cents can make money. And the other yes. reason is that if you've got a, a project which is going to produce 250,000 ounces to 300,000 um, 300, ounces a year, is that it doesn't, get, it doesn't become a target. So you may not want to sell it, but... Um, you know, there's a um, there's a reason why people like a good, a good healthy uh, share price to associate to come with that. Yeah, no, you're talking about healthy MPV, not share price. Sorry. Well, you want a strong you you, you want a strong balance sheet. You want you want strong paper. Um, I know you don't need strong paper in the in the short term because you're raising. You don't need to raise capital, but long term you want your share price to go up so that investors coming in now make money, and that you don't get taken out if the project so is a flyer. You know, you want to you want to be able to defend your company, and the the stronger your um, share price, the better your uh, defense. And so, so so it's useful and it's really helpful to um, explain to the market uh, that you're you've got a robust project. Now, um, Phoenix. Well, is, we do, we, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa! We do do that. There's a sensitivity page in our presentation, and once again. At $1,800 gold, we've got a $400 million MPV at a 5% discount rate. 
apply whatever discount rate you want to that, maybe it comes down to 300 million US and we're a 160 million Canadian or 120 million US Canadian company. That's for the starter projects. It's got nothing to do with the other expansion of the project. So I think we show that we're a value proposition as long as we execute and deliver as we say. Right. Okay. That's okay. The key. Can I just can I just stop you there? I mean, we, we know that Phoenix is a low grade project. It's yes. you know what's, what's the average grade? Point um, five. Point five. So it's it's going to be really sensitive to things like operating costs. And you you said that you can all you do is well all you can control is the stuff that you can control. So you focus on making sure that that um, ASIC is low. But. You know, there are key inputs such as trucking costs per kilometer or mining costs, which, um, you know, there's inflation out there. Yes. So, so that's, that's going to affect your... Um, once your again, line. once again, apply that inflation to the numbers we put in the PFS and we'll still be way under the current gold price. And, and uh, you know, we will never know. When we build this project, when we pour our first bar of gold, we're not going to guide anything at that point. You know why? Because we don't know. We've got to, we've got to get a run into this project of about a 12-month period of production to understand exactly where we're falling into with regards to costs. We're forecasting in our PFS a, a, a cost. I think it's going to be better. These guys that are sitting on this call think it's going to be better. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we have to deliver that. But, um, you know, uh, we're, we've done this before. You know, <laughs> we've done this twice before. Uh, and I'm not going to take anything away from what you've done in the past. I mean, you've been involved with a lot of, you I'm know, I'm not a mind builder. I'm not a mind builder. I know. I'm an That's the point. That's the point, Merlin. You're not a mind builder. There's three mind builders on this call. Um, but I have seen lots of presentations. You know, I've also been an analyst for um, 15 years, and I've seen lots of companies come through saying that they're going to be um, yeah. lower, lower than benchmark. And yeah. most often... And I'll, I'll give you, you know, Rubicon, pure gold, hard gold, um, the, coffee, the coffee gold project, TMAC, all of them were all bullshit, right? At the end of the day, they never, they never uh, delivered as they said they would. We've done this twice before. This is not our first rodeo. And this is a very simple project, Merlin. You know, one of the things you've got to understand is that a gold oxide heat bleach project at half a gram with simple metallurgy is, is a dream project to get your teeth into. Oh, I know. Now, when you look yeah, at absolutely. La Arena, when we built La Arena, the grade, the head grade at La Arena was 0.6 in the, in the reserve statement that we put out at the beginning of La Arena. When La Arena is finished by Pan American at the moment in two or three or four years' time, the average head grade will be 0.38 grams. That's what will have been put on that leech pad. So even though I've said 0.5 is our, our, our average grade, we think it's great. Because our, our cutoff is going to be, what's our cutoff going to be, Enrique? Around 0.1, Yeah. And so, you know, you've got to put a different mindset into what we're doing as opposed to some of these high-grade um, uh, underground mines which have got ground condition problems or dilution problems and this and that. 
I mean, we've got a great, you know, large disseminated ore body. And what I'd like to um, recommend to listeners is go to our website, go to the Atacama, in our news releases, there's a section on Atacama Pacific where we've archived all the press releases from 2010 through to, to, to when we took them over in 2018. All the drill results are there. There, I mean, if we were putting out those drill results today, everybody, I mean, we, we, we'd be much different company. But the thing is, we're now building this asset. And let me tell you that our experience and the experience of our financiers, the experience of all our contractors and consultants are that we're sitting on a very simple, straightforward project that will be impacted from time to time because inflation doesn't stay around. It goes up and down. Um, cost of oil goes up and down. Uh, the cost of reagents go up and down. Um, but we will manage that. And we believe very strongly that our ASIC is going to be around $1,000 an ounce or better. And that's it. I mean, we got we got to bring this project into production and, and let us prove our point. Now, Alex, well, when... when um in, I know you've got lots of moving parts, um, but when, do, when are you going to um, finalise, for example, I mean, so, so I've, I've got a little bugbear in my head at the moment, which is... Um, <laughs> yeah, I can see is, that. Which, which is trucking. You know, I've got, I've got in my head the, the trucking cost, the Stracon... The Stracon... Um, what we're going to do, Merlin, when we start production, we're going to get you up there for six months driving one of those trucks and we'll get you right into it. <laughs> um, when are you going to lock that cost in? Lock what cost in? The, 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 when are you going to finalise the, um, or is, is there a floating element to it? I mean, the, the, the Stracon contract. It's, it's an alliance contract. So at the end of the day, the, the, there are no hard cost elements. It, it's based on a, a open book cost plus model. So we will develop, develop that cost with them as we go. Um, like I say, we'll start to reworking it. I mean, Stracon are mobilising into Chile now. They're requoting all the equipment prices because as you would imagine, the, PFS was quoted on 2019 prices. So internally, we'll have a better idea in the next six months going forward as to what that water cost will be like. Like Alex said, we're, we're not planning on publishing anything. And at the end of the day, we're not going to know until we actually start doing it. And that's that's something that any small operation that starts with a junior company, it takes several months to bid all that down. You know, this is production reporting, this cost reporting. The systems all got to be put in place. People have got to be trained, and that information has got to be consolidated and presented in a format. And when you start, you're starting mining on a peak of a mountain, so you, you know, your numbers are not going to be great until you open up space, get benches going, get area, and the trucking will have to bed itself down and start finding its routine, its rhythm. And like Alex mentioned, I think it's you know we're going to be nine months to a year before we really have a good understanding of what our real costs are. And Andrew, the fleet we're using, the truck fleet we're using. Talk about that, the size. Yeah, the, the, this is just worth mentioning, I guess, that the mining operation is small small equipment. We're not opting for big, big yellow Tonka Toys-style trucks. They'll be small 43-tonne 8x4 road trucks, like Scania, Volvo, Mercedes produce. Heavy capacity for mining, which is where we get to the 43 tonnes. Um, that's something that we've done before and started like running like that. Show windows started like that and it's actually still running like that. So, so our mining costs are based on you know, very good numbers that Stracon have. They're still operating in show window. 
Um, it's adjusted to Chile purchase prices at 2019. So they'll be re internally re-evaluated and we'll have an idea of any sort of changes if there are and what the plant rates will be for that equipment as it's all open book. Um, but it's, it's a different scenario from a big mine. We, it's a really a small project with small gear. That's just important to put out and there. Andrew, it's the altitude um, of Phoenix, the same as the two operations that, um, that, you, were, uh, that you built in, in um, Peru? It, it's higher. It's, it's a thousand metres higher approximately than La Reina from a mining point of perspective. But yeah. nothing, nothing that hasn't been done before. Um, the operations in Peru working above 4,000 metres. Um, struck on a word, El Brickell 4,600 as well, until recently with okay. similar trucks. Okay, good. Um, so, Alex, um, I mean, <laughs> it's the, the, in some ways, this is the benefit of argh, this is the benefit of a DFS is that you get the numbers out and the people kind of um, are less twitchy about it. Um, um, it's going to take nine months to 12 months before you've got a handle on kind of the delivery. So what are the catalysts in the near term that are going to drive the re-rating of the project that you can point people to? Well, um, you know, we're, we're in the process of um, uh, finalising the definitive agreement with Wheaton Precious Metals on the stream. Uh, that's taken a bit of time because Wheaton are pretty busy with lots of other things around the world. Uh, and also we've just come out of the summer holidays, so that's impacted us a bit in timing. But anyway, we've got our own money. We don't need that money right now. Um, EIA approval is uh, guided for March, Andrew, at this stage, around it's March. Still, still the current thinking, yes. Yeah, so EIA approval is a milestone for us because that allows us to pull the second tranche of money from Wheaton. The first tranche is $25 million on signing definitive agreement, second tranche of 25 on EIA approval. And right now we're starting to work with BMP Paribas on their due diligence, their technical due diligence. I mean, they've done some, but they're getting into more detail <clears throat> for the senior secured, which comes on at construction permit. And, you know, we're guiding that if we get our EIA approval in March, we get our construction permit when, Andrew? Approximately June. Approximately June. So that's when we get the, the, the funds drawn down by uh, BMP Paribas. Also, the other thing that's going on, as I alluded to before, we're looking at water options for the expansion of the project. And one of the things we want to do before we get to production on this project, the 20,000 tonne a day project, is put out a study that shows what this project can grow into, which sort of answers your question, Merlin, about, you know, where's, where's the value proposition here? Um, and so that hopefully will be embarked upon in the next few months once we've nailed down, uh, you know, one or two of these options. Okay, great. Um, Enrique, I'm sorry, we haven't uh, uh, <laughs> much into the, into the geology today. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fantastically um, robust uh, ore body. You know, I, of course, I am aware of the value of oxides and a disseminated ore body, which is internally homogenous, though. So, um, you know, that's, that's uh, it, for me, it goes without um, being said. Um, but there are exploration potential. We can grow. We can grow. There are many, uh, lots of room to, to keep growing inside the resource pit. And also we, we run uh, uh, soil sampling on top of the, of the, of the uh, Phoenix Gold deposit. And we found that the deposit is open to the south. 
and we, we did a, a soil sampling across the, the property, and we found another target, what, what we named uh, Antares, which has the similar, uh, uh, similar mineralogy and, and ore type as Phoenix, black banded veins posted in a, in, a, in a breccia and domes, which is located seven kilometers north west from Phoenix inside our property. We are controlling 100% of, of Antares. No, that's the, the brownfield that we are going to de develop. Okay, the, 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 the deposit is, 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 as you said, is, is homogeneous. And, and the other, the other uh, uh, beauty of the project is, is the, the, the deposit is outcropping. The beginning it will be the, the first plus will be ore, you know, uh, and, and the stripping for the stripping for the resource pit, the reserve pit is 0 0.85, 0 0.85, <laughs> which is amazing. It's almost uh, one to one or 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 in waste, no, and more more or yeah, and yeah, and, and high grade and outcrop, yeah. No, and, and and I think I've publicly said, Merlin, that I think when time's all said and done, I mean, we've got five million ounces of MNI today. I think this project will be somewhere between, and we've got 1.4 million ounces in inferred. I think this project will grow to somewhere between six and 10 million ounces over over time um, through through um, expansion, exp, you know, exploration. And we we haven't, you know, what we're going to do is once we start mining, we'll probably pull up a couple of rigs and look at doing the inferred and and filling in gaps and and adding to the resource base. But we won't do that until then. Exactly, similar as we did in Larena in Shawindo, no? They keep a couple drill rigs in to convert, the, the, the strategies convert infrared resources into measuring indicated resources and also discover more infrared resources and year by year replace what we produce. No? Great. Well, um, thank you all of you for um, spending the time and explaining things to me. I've got a bit passionate in the middle. But no, this, is, this is really good, Merlin. Look, I, I really appreciate what you're doing. I think it's good for a team like us, any, any, any mining team, to be put in front of somebody like you. And yeah, look, you've obviously got strengths and weaknesses in your experience in relation to what we're doing, but I really appreciate, and I think the guys really appreciate your um, way of handling this discussion. And because you've got three guys against one, um, and, and I'm pretty passionate as you can tell by what we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, all I can say to wrap up to, to viewers is, let us execute and deliver on this project as we say we will. Mark us at that point to say, well, that was a disaster or it wasn't. And then let us get this thing into production and start producing gold bars and let's see if, if this thing produces. We think it will because of our past experience, but we've got to deliver, right? And uh, please don't mark us down until we deliver. You know, I mean, you know, let's see what we deliver. This could be a barnstorming project. I think it's going to be one of the, you know, I think it's going to be world-class. I don't want to use tier one or tier two or tier three. I think it's going to be world-class at 250 to 300,000 ounces of gold per annum for, you know, 15 years or so will probably be the run rate. And, um, you know, then all eyes will be on this on this project and on the, on the company. Uh, Alex, I think you've summed it up uh, beautifully. Um, you know, you've got uh, you three guys, but uh, there's a whole team behind you who have, you know, have come from. Uh, Let me just also say we've got the best 
junior development team in Latin America. These guys are stars, right? It's not me. Right? I'd like to, I'd like to um, put my hand up and say, well, um, one of the best, perhaps. Yeah, you might have one in Ecuador, but I've got the best south of Ecuador. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but, but no, no, it, our team is key to our success, I yeah. can tell you. Yeah. And in, in many ways, you've summed it up perfectly for me, which is to, to say that, you, you know, you've done it before. You know what you're doing in terms of the costs. Um, it's a relatively low-grade project. So cost inflation will be a pressure, but you've also got the gold price moving ahead. And so you've basically asked for the market to uh, judge on what you deliver, uh, which I think is a, is a very fair approach. So um, thank you all for your time. Alex, Andrew, Enrique, thank you very much. Um, thank you. I look forward to the next one. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.